everybody. Welcome back to the So We Speak podcast. This is Cole Fakes, and I am joined by Terry Fakes in the same room. In person. For the first time in a long time. Uh, we usually do a little trick that makes it seem like we're in the same room if we're both on our microphones. But uh, today we are truly in the same room. And we have come together for the very special purpose of reflecting on our book overviews. So the thought hit me this week while we were thinking about and prepping for this podcast to do another episode after our Hebrews episode, which is the last of the 66 books, and basically just say, what did you learn or reflect a little bit on the experience of doing a book overview for all 66 books? And I'll just preface that by saying, you know, you study and teach the Bible, you do Sunday school classes, you do Wednesday night classes, but that doesn't mean that you're doing a comprehensive study of the Bible. So now that you've done an overview of every single book, there's no passage of Scripture that we've been able to avoid, right? Right. Or there's no era of history that maybe we didn't know anything about that we haven't had to dive into and study. So taking a comprehensive view, what have you learned or what sticks out to you about doing that? You know, several things, because you're right. For comprehensive reading, I rely on my daily Bible reading plan, which we should talk about uh, a little bit later in the podcast. But to answer your question, I have always, since I became a Christian, I have always loved the Word of God, not as worshiping a book, like this is just such brilliant literature, which it is, or this is so profound, which it is, Mm -hmm. but actually coming to realize, and this is where I came to, this is actually God communicating or revealing things we would not have known otherwise. I really think about the Bible as revealing the true nature of reality. And so I love God's word in the sense of, This is like God speaking directly to me, and I should devour that. Going back through these books made me reappreciate over the past couple of years as we've done this, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And there are a few that I, it's not that I avoid them, but I don't teach them very often, or they they, they come up in my Bible reading, but they don't come up in my teaching for in-depth study. And it's made me reread them because Mm -hmm. I just really... It just made it just reignited in me a love for every single one of the books. Mm-hmm. How about you? Now, I, I I share some of the same lessons. I think there were probably areas where I was much less familiar with the history sure. of what was going on, and so it was a really great opportunity just to get into the text and study some things that I hadn't spent a lot of time studying before. Um, I think, too, coming in with the mindset that we did of we're not going to try to explain everything in the Bible. What we're going to try to do is give you a preview if you're getting ready to read the Bible and what are the things that you're going to know. And I think that goal uh, has been really something that's contributed to my own learning about the Bible, which is how would you explain how this ties into everything else? Or if you get to a difficult part, what do you need to know to start to make sense of it. And so I think in some ways, maybe we jump to biblical themes too quickly sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the there's the whole uh, David and Goliath, for example. What do we take away from David and Goliath? Well, David slays Goliath. Goliath is an enemy of God. The devil is an enemy of God. We are like David conquering our enemies. That's, right. you know, just like Jesus did. That, that's, that's a little bit too quick. Right. And I remember Tim Keller talking about this at one point. 
he was saying all the themes of the Bible do eventually lead to Christ, but some of them have to take two or three state highways or a couple right. of neighborhood roads to, to get, get to there. the interstate to get to Christ. And I think that really became a focus of our overviews is, yes, there are some books that are just so immediately connected to the gospel message. And then there are others that aren't. And I think good biblical study means you have to be able to understand what the book meant to the original hearers first. Right. So there's a discipline, and I don't always think this is great in scholarship, but there's a discipline that some people use to only account for in your study what has been revealed in the Bible so far. So if you're going to study the prophet Isaiah, for example, only reference the books in the Bible, and again, they're not in chronological order, but only reference the books in the Bible that chronologically precede that right? in order to understand what's being said. Like I said, I don't think that's a great ironclad rule for scholarship, but I do think sometimes it's helpful for us to think, let me just grasp Isaiah in his own day and with what was immediately going on before I take Isaiah chapter 7 or chapter 9 or 11 and say, okay, this is just a prophecy about Jesus 800 years later. Right. Well, what did it mean to them in the intervening time? And when you have to go through book by book, you really start to see a picture of God speaking in certain specific historical circumstances. And when you look at the whole Bible as a, as a whole, you have the big picture of what those words mean as time goes on. And so studying these individual books, one of the things that I've really been appreciative of is spending the time necessary to understand what did this mean in its context. And when we read it today, how do we follow along in the scope of the book as it was written? Right. Then jumping to the scope of the Bible as it has been compiled. Yeah, let it say what it wants to say and then connect it. I know. You know, I've got this theory just from observation, so I don't have any science behind this, but I have observed that people move through about four stages of biblical study, and the first stage is uh, children's stories. I didn't go through that stage. I mean, when I as an adult, when I come to the Bible, I'm learning all those stories for the first time. But there is a lot of people that, you know, through whatever, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, Sunday school, you learn the great stories. This is a wonderful thing. I'm not knocking any of these stages. They're all very good. And I do think some people stay there and you kind of get the simplistic, childish, I don't mean that derogatory, you get a childish lesson out of the story and you understand the Bible. Framework is you've got these great stories about God. Mm -hmm. That's good. But then you move on And you start reading the Bible more and you start to then, it seems to me what people do is they understand the Bible as verses here and verses there and lessons here. And you listen to sermons, especially topical kinds of sermons, you're going to get, oh, it teaches in Ephesians this. Oh, and it teaches over in Colossians, Mm -hmm. we got this. And you get these disconnected lessons. Again, that's not a bad thing, but it's a different, it's a way of reading the Bible. And then it seems like when people progress from there, and I do think people can get stuck everywhere, you begin to see the themes and you go, wait a minute, these are not disconnected stories and they're not even disconnected commands. Mm -hmm. There's actually themes. And then I think you can move a little further and you can, and that's where I feel like we're trying to do with this is 
just dive in and appreciate every single piece of revelation for what it is, Mm -hmm. and then let the applications and the connections flow out of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's scientific, but it does seem to me that we do go through stages of reading the Bible and how we read the Bible. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we've probably both experienced those stages in different ways. and mm-hmm. You get different things out of the stories every time you come to them, and part of the reason for that is that the Bible has many, many applications. But the other part is you are changing when you come back to the Bible exactly. at a different time. And so you're seeing different things. You're more mature, or you're going through something difficult, or you need a different kind of uh, encouragement from the text, or you've learned something new. So I think about the people that have gone on our Israel trips. They come back and read the Bible differently and get different things out of it because they've seen something different. That's not just true with the Holy Land. That's true with life experiences, Mm -hmm. maturity, raising kids versus being a single person. I mean, you get really different views of what the Bible is teaching depending on what's going on in your life. But the underlying... The, the underlying principle is you really need to be able to read the Bible as it is, as opposed to as you are, which right. is one of the easiest things to do with the Bible, is That's just to project point. ourselves onto it. But basically, like you're talking about, the way we mature is by grasping more and more what the Bible is trying to do, mm-hmm. what it's trying to say. So it seems to me like when we started doing these, we weren't doing them that frequently and we figured out it was going to take us like 10 years <laughs> to get these done. So we went a little bit more quickly, but still it's a pretty big span of time that we did the overviews. And so in some ways for me, it's hard to think about, Oh, we've done every single one. And it's easier to think about the recent ones. Right. But if you're looking back at the whole span of doing these overviews, which ones do you think were the hardest? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, for me, the hardest one we just did, Song of Songs mm-hmm. or Song of Solomon. It's a book that I've avoided, but not because I don't think it's canonical or anything. I have really wrestled to see the connection of that book, mm-hmm. and I just have others that are better. But after we did this and some of the insights you brought to it, I have a much deeper understanding of that book and why it's there. So Song of Songs was a more difficult one to me when I approached it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I thought that one was, it wasn't one I was maybe in the same way not looking forward to, but it was one that never came to the top of my list. Right. When it was like, what book do you want to do? Right. Never did I think before we only had two left, we got to do Song of Songs. Right. So th- I think that was definitely a tough one. Uh, some of these minor prophets are tough because, yeah. and the minor prophets get a bad rap because they're obscure. We don't know a lot about the prophets themselves. Um, so some of them were difficult to do because it's hard to find immediate application. But one of the things about that I've learned by doing these is sometimes you don't really need an immediate application. Right. Sometimes you just need to understand what was being said then to Assyria or to Judah right. or to whoever. And so I, I came to a new appreciation of some of the more obscure of the minor prophets. Some of them are really fun. They're taught a lot. Hosea, obviously, is right. great. Habakkuk is really good. I would put Haggai and Malachi in that category. You hear about them more than some of the others. Right. But definitely getting to ones like Obadiah, for yes. example. It's like, man, it's one page. Or but Nahum, which is nothing but uh, just burning the Assyrians. It's right. nothing but imprecations at the Assyrians. And you're thinking, what, what's up with that? Right. Um, I really appreciated ones like Joel, 
where mm-hmm. you get New Testament prophecies that now you're seeing in a new light. So right. you know that Peter quotes it at Pentecost, but you don't really know the contextual background. And right. So then you dive into it and see that. So the, those were hard, but really enriching. On the flip side, some of the ones that are difficult aren't the short or obscure books. They're the really popular, really long books. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the book of Genesis, which I think we did in a couple of parts, has so many famous stories in it. It also has a lot of really prominent debates as a right. part of it. So it's like, how do you do an overview of the book of Genesis without talking about creation and evolution, for example, the age of the earth? And right. I think the way we handled that was by doing Genesis without those things. And then we did a, several podcasts over the years on faith and science, evolution, that kind of thing. But there are some of these longer ones that are just so beloved. They're so well-studied. Right. I mean, a book like Romans in the New Testament. How do you do a 45-minute podcast on Romans when there are hundreds of commentaries, right. debates in every chapter of Romans that need to be resolved? And so I thought sometimes it's really the more common ones that were difficult as well. You know, one of the reasons they're common is that that people are drawn to them and they maybe get a little more attention. One of the questions I had for you, having on the back end of having gone through all of these, if somebody came to you and said, where would you suggest I start reading? I want to start reading the Bible more. I haven't read it very much or haven't been reading it very much. Where would you point people or where do you like to point people to start? Well, I used to say that the Gospel of John is the place to start. Mm -hmm. And I still would stick by that if it were a certain kind of person, a certain person that's interested in certain things coming to faith or growing in their faith. Right. If you know nothing about the Bible... John is, is would not be my recommended place to start. Mm-hmm. You kind of that's a place where maybe if you grew up a Christian but you're really starting to own your faith, John would be a great place because mm-hmm. you have all kinds of awesome conversations from there. It's really deep, very profound, and it assumes, like John assumed, that you know some of these other right. stories. So instead, if I had somebody that really doesn't have any biblical background, mm-hmm. I would point them maybe instead to Mark or Luke instead. Right. Because that way you're going to get a full-fledged picture, chronologically arranged. A little more chronological, a little more historical. About Jesus' life and ministry. So that may be the place to start. Now, I would also do, I would say, start with the gospel, read one chapter of the gospel a day, or two chapters of the gospel a day, and really think about it. Maybe journal with it. And then read a psalm every day. Mm -hmm. So start with Psalm 1, read a psalm out loud every day. And then after that, I would say, maybe we can move on to other things. But I think you have to start with a gospel. Yeah, and uh, you know I've heard people say, "Oh, start with First John or Philippians." I think that could be great too if you do have some of that background. Yeah. But if you don't, definitely start with a gospel, and then I think adding a psalm into is going to give you a good insight into the character of God, right. what was happening beforehand. Of course, a lot of psalms do show up in the gospels. So that might that might be a first glimpse at tying the Bible together for somebody. Yeah, I agree with that. If if it's somebody who's new to the Bible, I always want them to start in the New Testament. I always want to introduce them to Jesus as soon as as possible. So I agree with the gospel. You know, something I also get is people that grew up reading the New Testament. And I was this way too. Uh, When I came to Christ, ended up learning the New Testament and focusing on that in the church that I was going to, but not really Old Testament. And so the Old Testament is this big, dark, unknown area on the map. And if people were going to start there, 
I, I think there are a number of places to start. So if you don't know anything about really anything, Genesis is the foundational mm-hmm. place to start. If you at least understand the stories, of, you know, Adam and Eve and the fall and that kind of thing, then I kind of like uh, starting with Samuel and Kings. You know, the Samuel and King, first, second Definitely. Samuel, first and second Kings. So you start, you know, at the end of the Judges, you get the first Kings, you get David and Solomon and and the Kings, and that's a neat, and it takes you right down to the exile. So I think that is very instructive. And then if you've done that, usually the most obscure place is are the minor prophets. And I really like to encourage people to get a list of them in chronological order and read them in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So there are many entry points to the Old Testament, but those are three that I think are good. Yeah. And that's where a chronological Bible can be really helpful if you do like a through the Bible in a year chronological reading plan or just buy a Bible that has it laid out that way. It will intersperse the prophets with the narrative in First and Second Kings in a way that you're reading a little bit what's going on historically and then what's going on, what are the prophets saying, and it helps you to map together how everything fits. Uh, you know, because we borrowed the arrangement of the Bible in some ways from the Jewish scriptures and in right. some ways not from right. the Jewish scriptures. But we've grouped things by type like the Jewish scriptures yes. did. And so sometimes that's not helpful in figuring out how does this particular book or prophet fit with what else is going on. That's true. And you know, Old Testament, you're right. We don't organize it the way the Jewish Bible is organized, but we do organize it similarly. A little bit chronological and then by type. New Testament, we've got a pretty logical organization. I mean, you've got the four Gospels about Jesus' life. Then you've got Acts, which is what happens afterwards, sort of a history of the early church. Then you move into the letters. You get letters of Paul, then you get other letters, and then you cap it off with the book of Revelation. That's a very logical thing. But it, again, it's not necessarily chronological when you get into the letters. It's grouped by who wrote them, typically. Well, I would I would like to rearrange the New Testament if it were up to Okay, me. so how would you arrange now, the New Testament? The, the New Testament order, I don't think, is spirit-inspired. I think there are conventional right. ways of doing it. And I will say, you and I both have had this experience. There's a Tyndall Greek New Testament right. that is organized like certain uh, manuscript traditions. Yes. So that means just the way that these manuscript families were passed down, they were grouped differently. And so in fidelity with that tradition, this book of the Greek New Testament is in that order. And yeah. so it's very difficult to find things. Yeah. The content is the same. But the order of the books is not inspired, and that's been different for Christians throughout right. the ages. So when you do open this book and you're trying to find something, it is very difficult mm-hmm. to find it. So I'm not really proposing that we do change it. But I do think in my own reading plan, I like to order the New Testament differently. So I like Matthew, Mark, and Luke at the front, although in Bible reading plans, I don't like to read Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, because it just gets very redundant. Right. I like to intersperse other things. But I think Luke and Acts should be read together right. because they're part one and two of a whole. So I think before you go on to John, for example, I really think Luke and Acts should be together. Mm-hmm. I also think there's something to be said that Paul's early letters, and I'm not saying you have to read them first, but I think people need to remember that Paul's early letters are written before any of the Gospels. Right. So it's not that they don't 
it's not that people don't know the gospel story. Right. They've heard the story. They know the stories. Paul's presuming in some cases that you know about the life of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection. But it's also important to remember that these are the first Christian writings. Mm-hmm. First Thessalonians or Galatians, depending right. on when you date it. Might be the first New Testament document that we have. So I might vote for, at least in a reading plan, sometimes just diving into that. Right. My other thought, though, is John should be at the end of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's grouped together with the Gospels, which is good. Chronologically, it is later. And I would make an argument that just like Luke and Acts should be read as part one and part two, John and Revelation should be right. read as part one and part two. In a lot of ways, the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation are like the book of Daniel. Daniel 1 through 6, you have narrative. Yes. Daniel 7 through 12, you have prophecy. prophecy. And mm-hmm. John is organized, John and Revelation together are organized very similarly to that. So I would say mix up the Gospels, read Matthew, then maybe go read Romans 1st, 2nd Corinthians, or read 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, and then Mark, and then, you know, trade off. Read Luke and Acts together, read the general epistles, and then read John and Revelation last. So in, and that's how I like to do a Bible reading plan. Yeah, and that's that's why your Bible reading plan is very, very confusing. I tried your Bible reading plan. In fact, I coded it into Logos software because you can't find this plan. This is a custom plan, right? So you sent me the code yeah. for this, and I started reading it. And I have to say, I really like it. But for the layperson, would you say that a chronological Bible might do some of the same things? It's not probably, everything, it but some would. of the same things? It's been a long time since I've looked at a chronological in the New Testament. Uh-huh. And so I'm not 100% sure how they take some of these. Some of them we don't know. Right. Like we don't actually right. know which letters of Paul come before the others in a couple of cases. And then right. when Mark was written, sure. there's argument about that. But I don't know exactly how they arrange them, but some kind of arrangement that gets you out of just... Four Gospels in a row, 13 letters, yeah. then general epistles, then Revelation. One of the things I like most, the chronological Bibles I've seen in the New Testament, really helpful in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you can't, you don't know the dates of everything, but they do a fine job of, of working it in. Mm-hmm. But in the New Testament, what they do is they'll intersperse the letters into the book of Acts. Mm. So that as you're reading the book of Acts, you'll pause because that's when First Thessalonians was written, and so you'll read it then. I do think, it's not exactly what you're talking about, Cole, but I, I do, I think chronological Bibles have a lot to commend yes. themselves to just order it in a, in a way that's closer to a just historical order. Yes. I'll tell you the other thing that we've mentioned, I think we've mentioned this before, but it's been a while, that doing these book overviews has reminded me of is the power of reading certain books in the Bible start to finish. Mm-hmm. This not always possible. If you sit down, I sat down and tried to read the book of Jeremiah start to finish one time. It will take you hours to read that book. Me too, and I got depressed in the middle. Yeah, it's not, and it's not a fun one to read <laughs> start to finish. But there are certain books, especially in the New Testament, or certain ones of these prophets, yes. that if you'll get... Uh, one of the Bibles that Crossway puts out that's the Reader's Bible. Yes. Or I think there might be other translations as well that do this, but you get rid of the chapters and verses. Right. And just read it start to finish. It's it's not magic. I mean, you can do this with the chapters and verses, but what happens is you start to get immersed in it like you do chapters in a regular book. Right. Where you're not really worried about checking off progress as you go, like, okay, chapter four, now new chapter, chapter five. Instead, you just find yourself in the middle of it. You see really different 
themes that run through the books because you start to just pick up on repetitive themes. Mm-hmm. The flow of it is different. It's, it's almost just like looking at it from a different angle. But if you sit down and read Romans, for example, from right. start to finish, you will really think differently about it than if you've been in a study of Romans before, that's a, for example, that's a good or if you read it two chapters at a time. Now, it takes a while. I mean, I, reading Romans start to finish will take 30 or 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so not, not every book can you do this with, and you can't always do this in the time that you have for your quiet time, but just making an effort to read some big chunks of the Bible that's really good. without the interruption of stopping and starting and without the interruption of the chapters and verses and we did that several times for the books that we were doing on the podcast mm-hmm. is if you're going to prep for it, just sit down and read it, read start it. to finish, exactly. and then take notes on what you want to pull out. That will really change the way you see a lot of these books. That's true. And I tend to think of having two kinds of reading. And again, this is an artificial distinction. But in my life, what I want to do is devotional reading, which is like that. Is I just want every morning I'll sit down and I'll, I'll read a segment, but I want to read it without analyzing it, without looking up the, the language, without cross-reference. I just want to read it and let it soak in. And then there's study, which is, all right, I'm going to take a particular chapter, a particular book, and I'm going to read it. I'm going to think about it. I might jot down a little outline. You know, I, I'm going to dive into it further. I actually think both of those should be part of your life. Mm-hmm. Certainly devotional reading, but then when you study, it's okay to slow down, dive in, make some connections. But I think yeah. both of those are useful. I think so too. So the Bible reading plan, here. this might be useful. So what is your Bible reading plan for every morning now? And do you use a Bible or do you use an electronic device? Well, so I am doing my custom Bible reading plan, as you mentioned. Uh, then I could certainly send somebody if they wanted it. They could email and I could send them the order of it. Uh, but basically... Uh, Laura and I do the same plan. It's on my iPad is where the order of it is, but we both read it out of paper Bibles. Okay. So uh, we do, right now we're doing a plan that has basically the Old Testament in a year. Mm -hmm. We cut out the prophets, the major prophets, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel, and we get them twice in the year. And then I have the New Testament like I just talked about, where it's a little bit more interspersed between Gospels and letters. Luke and Acts are together. John and Revelation are together. And uh, so you have three readings each day. And it usually ends up being two chapters of the Old Testament history, one chapter of the prophets, one chapter of the New Testament, and then we read a psalm out loud. So that that does take a little bit. I mean, that's, you know, four chapters plus a psalm is going to take you maybe 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, in certain seasons, you don't have the time to do that. But I really like reading it that way because you get a lot of the big storyline of, of Scripture each day. Well, uh, tell me this. I know this is something you do, and it's maybe not something everyone can do, but the idea of you reading out loud together, some, mm-hmm. a piece of it. Like you said, you read a psalm out loud together. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what do you like about that, doing that with Laura? Well, I think one of the things is that's the way the Bible was intended to be read originally. So mm-hmm. these, and, and even you might go beyond that and say, well, the Psalms especially were not even meant to just be read out loud like poetry. They were, me- they were meant to be sung out loud or chanted out loud. We don't do that, but <laughs> we do read it out loud. We actually do two each day. Each one of us reads one. And 
what I like about it is it's nice to have read the same thing. It's nice to have the same language. It's nice to have the same yeah. uh, kind of thoughts on your heart during the day. But the other thing, too, is when you start to listen to these psalms, you start to realize all kinds of different things that are easy to skip over. Mm-hmm. So if you would have asked me two or three years ago uh, you know what I thought the psalms were about versus now, we tend to cherry-pick things out of the psalms, right. especially when we're in study mode. Mm-hmm. That's really a tough way to read the psalms because that's cutting against the grain of what they mean to be read as. Mm-hmm. Instead, they really mean to be read as songs or almost chronicles of certain emotions and certain situations. Mm-hmm. So if you read the psalms out loud to each other, one of the things that you'll find is you get a little uncomfortable sometimes reading what's in your Bible. So, for example, you're going to read, Blessed are those who dash their little ones against the rocks. And yeah. you're going to kind of look at each other like, what did we just read? Yeah. You know, or... <laughs> Uh, you know, David, in a lot of these imprecatory psalms, will say things like, I pray that you would smash their teeth and strike them on the cheek. Mm-hmm. And my enemies have fallen at my feet before you. And you're like, what am I going to do with this? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, and so you begin to see the psalms in their totality as the whole of human experience, which ends up becoming really helpful in your personal life as you're going through different things. You almost have little tabs in your memory that come from reading all these things in the Bible. So I'm Mm -hmm. feeling angry at somebody. I'm feeling forsaken by God. I'm feeling angry. All of these emotions that we would tend to say, okay, the best thing for you to do is just to not feel those things. Mm -hmm. Instead, now you have this whole catalog of Psalms that you're reading each day that show you how to deal with those things, how to deal with, you know, kind of the, what we would consider kind of the uglier parts of the human experience Mm -hmm. that find their way onto the pages of the Bible. And so I think that's been a really good thing. I think just hearing the language of the Bible out loud, somebody else reading it, is really helpful. It sticks in your memory a little bit differently mm-hmm. when you do it that way. And it's been a great thing for us together just to commit to doing that as a family and uh, reading aloud to each other and making sure that the Bible is a part of the words that are spoken in our home. I think that's right. really an important thing. So it's been it's been a great learning thing for us. It's good devotionally. It's, it's definitely awkward sometimes. There's certain things that you read that are awkward, and then just reading out loud is awkward, because people don't really do that very much now. But it's been something that we really enjoy. Well, I can see people that have kids that are of reading age, because when you you guys were kids, we would let you read once you could we read a book together every night, or you guys would read that. But I could see your kids enjoying reading the Bible to the family. That's just a great idea, having the words of the Bible spoken in your house. I love that thought, Cole. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think however you decide to do it, one of the things that probably is coming out from this discussion is variety is a good thing. It is. Variety in the way that you're hearing, speaking, reading, uh, consuming the Bible is a really good thing. And uh, if you feel like you're in a rut or if you've done the same thing for a long time, probably the best thing you can do is do something a little bit different. You know, there's not a yearly test on making sure you get all the way through the Bible or, you know, there's not a syntactical word sheet every time you open up the study. Sometimes the best thing you can do is do something totally different for a month or for a few weeks or even a year and get a different vantage point and get a different angle on uh, the different books of the Bible. Yeah. You know, for me, I did, uh, uh, I bought a 365-day chronological Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, actual book, 
and so I went through that last year, and I did it two years before that. I've done it several times, and I like doing that. Mm-hmm. I really like it, and it, it does go through chronologically. This year, I started the year with your custom plan, and I liked it. <laughs> and I made it till, uh, and I decided, I did exactly what you just said. I thought, you know, I just need a little variety. I want some freshness. Mm-hmm. And so I paused that. I will go back to that because it's electronic. But I'm now reading every day. I have a, a Bible that has four ribbons. Just like a remarkable okay. technological uh, breakthrough here. I have four ribbons. So it works perfectly. I'm reading a psalm every day. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. So at that rate, I'll get through the psalms in 150 days. And I'll have been through Proverbs five times over. Because there are 31 chapters. But basically, mm-hmm. uh, when I get to Proverbs 31, I'm going to go back to one. And so over the course of 150 days, I'll get through all the Psalms. I'll get through the Proverbs five mm-hmm. times. Then I decided to do, because I think it's beautiful and it always strikes me, is Isaiah through the end of the Bible. So mm-hmm. basically the prophets. Right. I, you know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, and the 12 minor prophets. Yeah. So I'll read some of that every day. And then in the New Testament, I'm just moving through it. I happen to be in Galatians. Mm -hmm. So it's a nice variety. It gets me in the wisdom literature, the poetry every day, gets me in the prophets and gets me into the New Testament. And so I'm going to do that for the next 150 days, and then Mm -hmm. I'm going to switch again. But it, it does, I do like the idea of going through the Bible, but I think you're right to give people permission that you don't have to start at Genesis and end at Revelation yeah, or or your failure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the point is to read it, learn it, understand it. Yeah. And there, you know, tailor making it to your specific season and your desires is important. Now, if if tailor making it for you is you just go to your favorite part and read it over and over again, I would just encourage you to try something right. different. Um, and maybe don't tailor make that quite as much to what you want because you'll discover that there are other things that are really right. enriching in the Bible as well. But sometimes just tailoring it, like you said getting specific kinds of or sections of the Bible and then specific lengths over a certain time Mm -hmm. is really important in changing up the way you read it. And so, I mean, our our recommendation always is just to read it or listen to it on your phone or read it out loud. But consuming the Bible kind of goes back to the Deuteronomy Shema kind Mm -hmm. of idea that what we're supposed to do is be people of the book, just like the Jews were. We now have a New Testament. We have a Savior. We have the Holy Spirit, but all of that is operating within our reading the Bible. That's the food that we have each day spiritually. A lot of times it's going to come from that daily Bible reading. Exactly. And uh, the more we are ingesting of the Bible, the healthier we're going to be spiritually. Our worldview changes. Uh, We know what God wants for our life because we've seen it played out in other people's lives. We've been instructed. So the more we consume of the Bible regularly on an everyday basis the better our lives are spiritually. Amen. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast.